Brilliant. Thank you, um, Kerry, for that very much. We're experimenting um, in different ways as to, as to how to share some of the things that God is saying. Do we do that at the end? Uh, uh, or do we do that in the middle? Do, do we do it early on? And uh, so uh, it's encouraging for me, actually, as we get into God's Word, to pick out some of the things that God's already been wanting to say to us uh, through those that have listened, in a sense, on all our behalf. And again, if you want to be part of that at uh, 10 o'clock over in the back there, you'd be most welcome. 15 minutes of listening. What are you saying today? And then an opportunity to have that uh, shared and then reflected on by others. So you don't need to be anxious about... uh, whether you've got it right and all of that. There are plenty of us around helping us shape the things that we feel God's saying to us. Great. Joseph, week 10. Joseph's kind of made it. This is Breakthrough Sunday. (laughs) Oh, my word. (laughs) This is Breakthrough Sunday. This is the moment when it kind of all makes sense. This is the season of his life when all the other seasons take on a different dimension, a different perspective because of what he's now experiencing. Just a quick recap on the whole story of Joseph. And uh, I'm going to do it in 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, and then you'll wonder why you came for the last 10 weeks. So uh, Joseph was an ordinary lad in a totally messed up family, and uh, God spoke to him and said, actually, you're going to rise and you're going to be someone, something great. Uh, You're going to be greater than your brothers. His brothers was older, so they hated him for it. In the end, they tried to kill him. They left him, as it turned out, in a pit to die of starvation. But God had other plans, and uh, some travelers came along, bought Joseph. He was sold in slavery in Egypt. Uh, He did really well as a slave in uh, a lady's house or a master's house called Potiphar. He was quite a a high-up army uh, ranking official, and uh, Joseph worked his way up the ranks only to find himself wrongly imprisoned. And he waited several years in prison, so he went through the pit, he went through the prison, and nothing seemed to make sense. He was a long way from his friends, his family, in this strange, peculiar land. But God had a plan. And we kind of hit the story running today when God's plan suddenly comes to uh, fruition. And from that perspective, and perspective is really important, isn't it? From that perspective... Joseph sees some things and we can see some things that perhaps we don't see, can't see when we haven't got that perspective. When you get to the mountaintop, you can see very differently to when you're at the bottom of the mountain or just making your way up. So here we are on the top of the mountain, breakthrough is, is happened and there are some surprises there which I think we need to share so that as we seek for that moment when things come together, when in the words of um, Hannibal Smith, I love it when a plan comes together. Those of you 
under the age of 45 have got no idea, with the exception of John Lamaducker that seemed to know exactly uh, all about 1980s kids' TV shows. Um, I love it when a plan comes together. Joseph then, at the top of the mountain, was surprised by what it looked like. When we break through in God's kingdom purpose, we often find ourselves surprised by what it looks like. It doesn't quite look like the way we thought it would. And that's no more true for Joseph than so many of the other greats in the Bible and our lives too. That he would discover the answers to his vision in Egypt, a foreign land, in Pharaoh's palace of all places, was beyond his imagining. When Joseph, as a young lad, received those visions that he would be something significant in God's purpose, I bet never in his wildest dreams did he imagine the detail of how it would be worked out. And I think that's so often our story. God gives us a longing, a yearning for something, but it often works out in quite a different way to the way in which we humanly would have imagined it. Beat you, beat you, got dressed first, beat you. Uh, Childish, I know. (laughs) What do you think? I mean, did Mother Teresa the compassion that she had for the poor, did she believe that that, at the beginning, would get worked out in one of the awful places in the world? Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong. David Wilkinson in New York. I'm speaking to most of you now who are 50-plus. You won't know these names necessarily. Or more recently, people like Christine Kane, who finds herself uh, with the girls, the most vulnerable girls on the planet, being trafficked in and around and through uh, Greece. Whatever that God's put in our hearts, be prepared to be surprised by how it turns out. Sometimes we like to tell God how to do it. And we have a burning in our hearts about something and we expect God to do it our way. If anything the book of Joseph teaches us is that God will wait a very long time, 15, 20 years in Joseph's case, to make sure God does it his way. He always has a a plan and often it breaks the mold that we would place on it. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And so I want to encourage you this morning, in the things that you know God has given you, not to put it in a box, not to have a tunnel vision as to how God's going to work it out. Because it might just be that God's hanging around saying, well, I'm ready when you want to open the box push those walls down. I'm ready when you want to lift your gaze and see it a little bit differently because my plans are different to yours. Surprised by what it looks like. Joseph never in his wildest dreams believed that in God's plan he would be, he would have geographical control 
of the greatest empire then in the world. That he would have financial authority. A signet ring, verse 42 tells us, on his finger. So basically he could pay for anything, anywhere, at any time. Social prestige in his chariot with uh, the horsemen uh, and the, the guards bowing down and so on. Royal privileges, political power, you can read all about it in those verses that you heard some moments ago. God is in the business of taking the vision that he's planted in our lives and doing something with it that blows apart our preconceived ideas and our preconceived conceptions as to how it should work out. That's what he specializes in, and it's time for us to flex our our, our ears, our eyes, to begin to see what it is that God would have for us. And that speaks right into one of those those words about we want to rationalize it all out, which basically means I want God to do it in the same way that I can think about it. And God basically says, most of the time, your brain is too small. Please don't confine me to your brain. It's too small a space. I've got bigger, greater ideas. I'm going to ask Nancy to come. Nancy's going to come and uh, uh, share for a few minutes about a bit of a journey. I think, is she here? Is she in the room? Great. Okay. Uh, uh, Share something of the journey that, uh, that she's been on. Uh, and how there was a vision, a dream planted in her heart, but it got worked out in a way she hadn't imagined. Morning, everyone. Um, For many, many years, ever since I was a small child, um, I always had this um, dream, vision, um, a sense that I would have many children, I knew that I wanted a big family and it was something that was really in my heart to have a lot of children. I wanted children running all over the house. That was my dream, my vision, what God put in my heart. When I married um, the first time to Fernando and I had my son Edwin, I thought, yes, this is is coming true. My dream is coming true. However, I wasn't young um, when I got married, I think, in sort of um, terms I was 31. Um, but I thought, yeah, I can still have a big family. I can still have the children that it seemed like God was promising me. Unfortunately, the marriage didn't work out with Fernando, and I found myself a single parent with Edwin. And I thought, okay, so it's just one. Okay, well, you know, we'll see how that goes. And then I met my lovely husband, Donald. And I thought, yes, yeah, this is it now. You know, we're going to We're going to have that family that I've always dreamed about, that I've always had laid on my heart. And after we got married, I became pregnant and we were delighted. And even more so because I was having twins, I thought, yes, this is great. But I miscarried. And I was really devastated. And I thought, how? How can this be happening to me? How can I have got pregnant with twins and now... I'm miscarrying. I was just devastated and I was really angry with God because I thought, why have you put this on my heart? Why are you making me feel this way only to have me miscarry? Of course, it wasn't God that was wanting me to miscarry or that wasn't his plan for me, but nevertheless, I miscarried. A little while later, a year or so later, 
I conceived again, and Donald and I were again. We were delighted, but I miscarried again. So twice, not just once, twice, and it hurt. And I was really in a very dark place. Um, couldn't understand, didn't understand anything. I, what is this dream? And a little while after that, um, perspectives came to speak in the church to talk about the work they're doing. And Perspectives is um, an agency, it's a Christian initiative, it's been around since 1998, that deals and works with women who are going through some sort of crisis in pregnancy, whether it's miscarriage, stillbirth, or they may have had an abortion and are not dealing with it, or they don't know whether they want to keep the baby they're carrying. They come to our doors. And for some reason, my heart leapt when I heard the story. And I couldn't understand it. I thought, I am not in the right place for this. I feel so devastated by my own story. How could this be what God wants? But nevertheless, I felt my heart jump. And I knew, I knew I had to do something. And so a journey started that took about five years in, in all Nothing seems to happen at the pace I want it to happen. It always seems to take such a long time. But you know what? I cannot tell you how big my family is. It is huge. There are many children that are alive today that would not have been alive today had it not been for the work that we do at Perspectives. I get to hold babies all the time. I get to see children grow up. We've just opened a shop to help the funding um, with the work that we do, a shop called Cherry Blossoms. And there it's, we sell clothes, charity shop that sells clothes specifically for children between zero and, and 11. And there again, we're getting mums come in who come in pregnant, then come in with their babies. And again, it's this, this cycle of life. And it is amazing. If I had kept to the dream that I thought was what God's plan was for me, it would have stayed, like Simon says, in that box. But I didn't. I listened to the fact that my heart jumped when I heard what they were doing. And I stepped out of that box and into God's world. And it is amazing. Thank you. How good is that? She had to put a baby down to come and speak. God is in the business of breaking through our preconceived ideas. Surprised by what it looks like. Surprised by how God works it all out. There we go. Surprised by how God works it all out. There is a divine tapestry, a mosaic that is way too complicated for us to get our heads around. No one imagined what was to happen. Pharaoh certainly hadn't imagined it. Joseph himself had not imagined it. His brothers certainly had not imagined it. Jacob, his father, had no idea about it. Only God. And there are those times, aren't there, 
when God speaks and we let him move that all of us, in the end, have to say, well, only God could have done that. That's one of the sweet spots of the journey of faith when God puts you in a place where you know and everybody knows you couldn't possibly have worked that out by yourself. It was way too clever, way too complex, way too beyond human rationale and human organizing. There's a lovely verse in uh, Ephesians uh, that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has planned, God has prepared, God has thought about, God has imagined. And I want to just encourage you this morning. As you hold on to what you know God's placed in your heart, as you hold on and a long time has passed, perhaps, and you're not seeing what you thought you would see, remember Joseph. And remember that when it comes to fruition, we'll all stand back and say, well, actually, only God could have worked all of that out. Could it be this morning that God's heart right now is really excited about something that he's leading you in that you are still yet to discover? Something that he sees that you don't yet. You see, when Joseph was a teenager... No one believed in him. His brothers didn't. His father didn't. That's why he gave him the coat, ironically. The coat meant he would never need to work. No one around him, the youngest, the weakest. No education, no skills, no support, no encouragement. But God believed in him. And that was enough. Uh, And I don't know how many things you will allow to settle on your heart as to why God's purpose that you know is in there somewhere hasn't quite come to breakthrough stage. I'm not good enough. I haven't worked hard enough. Maybe I came from the wrong family. I live in the wrong area. I've got the wrong name. I haven't got the right skill, the right education, the right... Whatever it is, all the things that we list. And God says through the story, the big story of Joseph, Forget all of that. Remember that I believed in Joseph when no one else did and Joseph didn't even believe in himself. And today I believe in you. Even if you don't believe in yourself and even if it feels no one else believes in you either. God believes in you. So when I um, um, preached at St. Matthew's a few weeks ago, uh, I talked about how uh, around 24, 25 years ago, Uh, God plunged us, no, it must be 26 years ago, God plunged us into a year of waiting. Circumstances had uh, pulled the rug completely from under all of our plans. Everything that Kerry and I had counted on, believed in, thought was secure, was taken away for that season. Uh, And what I didn't say, um, I intended to say, but in all the excitement I forgot about it. It must have been the Anglican spirit or something. Um, In all the excitement I forgot about it, was to say that not only in that period of waiting, which I did say, God did some real stuff in us for preparation, but because of the waiting, we were behind our schedule. And because we were behind our schedule, we ended up uh, training with different people and we then ended up moving to a different town 
called <coughs> Ipswich, and, and, leading a, and leading a different church. Uh, and, uh, and there it is. That was kind of... And they said, oh, okay, so God knew something. You might be thinking different. That's fine. Um, but, but God knew something. We've had a good time, even if you haven't. So um, the other thing is, then, on, on the Monday, the following Monday, unbeknown to, to, to me or, or some Monday, Claire was talking at Team Devotions. That's the biggest kept secret. Team Devotions, Monday morning, 9.30, just by there. We have a blast every Monday, half an hour, and then you're free to go. Do join us if you're able. Um, uh, and Claire was talking about how um, oh, she had to wait for God, and she was pushing some doors, and they weren't opening. And then she came to this church for an interview and walked in the door, and it was like God said, this is the place. Now, what's really weird about that? is that because we trained with the wrong people and we were a year behind and all out of sync with what we thought God would be doing, we got to know a couple called Mike and Teresa Evans who happened to be Claire's parents. And somehow you begin to see God knows what he's doing all of the time. There are some people that we met training in the wrong place with the wrong people that have been absolutely pivotal to the journey here. People that perhaps you've won't know, have never met, but have been significant for Kerry uh, and I. So uh, all I'm saying is that God works it out. We still got a slide that says that? No, we haven't. Anyway, God works it out. And we can't possibly fathom it all. And I want you to have absolute confidence today that the fact that you can't work it out and can't see it coming doesn't mean it isn't worked out and it isn't coming. You with me? Because it's secure with God. Way more secure with him than it will be buzzing around in our little heads and minds. And then lastly, surprised by my perspective. So when you get to the top of the mountain, you have a different perspective from the one you've got when you're at the bottom of the mountain, when you're halfway up the mountain. The top you can see, you see things differently. Joseph had arrived at that special place where some of the things that had happened to him would take on a different meaning. Situations in his life that he could only see as being utterly dreadful and awful were in time to be shaped in Joseph's understanding such that he could see that God was at work in those moments when it felt like God was doing nothing at all. In fact, Joseph would say it a few chapters later from where we are now. Joseph would say to his brothers, you intended to harm me. That's what was going on, but God intended it for good. In other words, in all, I could only see your hatred towards me. I could only see you wanting to kill me and leaving me to die of starvation in a pit. But all the time, God was at work in the midst of it. And that's a promise that I want to leave you with this morning. It's a very famous promise in the Bible. This one here. You will have heard it many times if you've hung around churches for a while. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I, I try not to quote it too much because it's one of those verses that is often misquoted and it just drives me to distraction. Uh, what does it say? It says, well, it says promise. We know. It's, this is a certainty from God. It's a promise. Is it a promise for everybody? No, this isn't a promise for everybody. 
This is a promise for those who love Him. For those who have said, God, I want to live for you. I want to give my life to you. I want your will. I want your way. I want your purpose. If that's you, then this is for you. So it's for those who've said, hey, God, I'm I'm, going to go for what you want. I love you with my heart. I love you with my strength. I love you with my life and my being. But what does it actually say? It does not say that all things are good. That all things are good. Manifestly, all things are not good. Of all weeks, this week for us here at Burlington reminds us that all things are not good. All things are not the way God intended. Disappointments, frustrations, failures, sicknesses, disaster, you name it. List upon list of things that are not good. That's what drives me demented about the way people handle this verse. As if those things somehow are good. Well, they're not. The Bible says they're not. The Bible says that this this world is broken and fallen and messed up and there are things that go on in this world that were never part of the intended plan, were never the way it was meant to be until human beings turned their back on God. It's broken. So are all things good? No, absolutely not. Lots of things are far from good. Lots of things are incredibly hard and difficult and painful and shake the very foundations of our lives. So don't say it was meant to be. Because most of this isn't meant to be. Most of this sucks. The Bible says that God weeps. And he enters into it with us. And he experiences it alongside us. But don't miss the truth that's here either. What does it say? It says that we know that in all things, all the rubbish things, the messed up things, the hard things, the difficult things, the destructive things, God works for good. God works for good. So you've got this thing that's all messed up, it's all wrong, it all sucks, it all, it's all anything but the way God's A plan would have had it been. But in that messed up thing, our God is at work. Hallelujah. God's not abandoned us in it. God's not leaving us to stress with it by ourselves, to be overwhelmed by it, to be engulfed by it. He's in it with us and he says, I'm in it with you and I will work goodness in the midst of everything that isn't good. And so Joseph would look back at things that were anything but good. His family was messed up and they messed his brothers up and they messed him up, something rotten. And he lived with the weight of that. And some of you know the weight of that too. His brothers hated him enough to kill him. And he lived with that sense of rejection. He was left abandoned in a pit. An older woman, a prestigious rich woman, took advantage of him morally and he had to run for his life. And because he did the right thing, he ended up in prison for several years. How rubbish and unfair is all of that? And he might have looked at the whole of his life and gone, it's all been absolute rubbish. This verse says no. God has been at work all of the time. And I want to encourage you this morning. If you're in that circumstance today and you're going, this is all messed up. This, oh, this is hurts, it's wrong, it's anything but the way we want it to be. God understands the way we feel. And he invites us to search, to look for the good that he is and will 
work out in and through it. So that most famous of psalms, even though I walk through the darkest of valley, the toughest of times, the messed up seasons in our world, you are with me. And then he says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Because even in the messed up stuff, in fact, my experience is even more so in the messed up stuff, we see God at work. Even more so when the chips are down, when it's all hell's breaking loose, we see the light of Jesus breaking in. Where is God when it hurts? He's right here. Where is God when it's all gone wrong? He's weaving his good purpose. So that one day on the mountaintop, and who knows when we'll reach our various mountaintops about various things, but one day, ultimately, this life or the next, we'll reach the mountaintop for every situation and we will look back and we will go, that was totally messed up. But thank God that he was at work and he never let me go in the midst of it. I'm confident of this, said the psalmist. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. One of the verses they had this morning was about waiting. Just digging in there. And I don't know about you, but I find some of these truths really helpful as I dig in for the things that I haven't seen yet. To know that God's got a plan that supersedes mine. That he's able to work stuff out that I could never in a month of Sundays get to work out. And to know that there is a perspective that when I'm overwhelmed by all that's going on, there is a God who says, I'm working good out even now and one day you will see it for all that it is. Let's pray. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been moved in different ways by what Judy said, by the baptism itself, by something someone else has said, by just the the love of the friend that you're with today. But you don't know this Jesus that we're talking about. You'd love to know a God in heaven who believes in you. Well, I'm saying this just now, just for you. There is a God in heaven who loves you with all of his heart. There hasn't been a moment of your life that he hasn't watched over, that he hasn't noticed, that he hasn't seen. There have been times when you've wept and you felt you were weeping alone. But there's a Father in heaven who also wept at the things you wept about. And incredibly, he sent his Son into the world to experience all the pain, all the heartache, all the messed upness, all our own stubbornness and pride, all the wrong things that we've done. The Bible says in some incredible way he took all that upon himself when he died on the cross. There's a God in heaven who loves you that much. And the Bible says that any one of us can cry out to him and be rescued. That any one of us who comes to him he won't turn away 
but he'll welcome us home. That we can all discover what Judy has discovered. You can be a son or a daughter of the living God. You can know God as a true father. And there's nothing on earth that feels like that. There is nowhere else on earth where you can find that place where you know in your heart that you're truly home. So maybe that's you this morning. And you join me in this prayer. Lord, I, I come to you today. If all that stuff is true, if you are true and real in heaven, if you love me the way that guy's talking, if it's true about your son Jesus, then I want this. I'm all too aware of the ways I've gone wrong. I'm all too aware of the things that are not right in my life. But I turn to you now. I turn to you now. And I receive the gift that you give, which is to know you and to become part of your family. And so we pray for those in this room who prayed that prayer just now. <laughs> Thanking you that people every day, just like here today, people step into your family. They can know the forgiveness of the past and an absolute assurance about all that is ahead. Thank you, Jesus, for your work in all our lives. In Jesus' name.